Anyway, last point tonight, guys. Last point tonight. Who can tell me all three points that we've done so far? Whoa, calm down. Don't be cussing, girl. No, just kidding. <laughs> no, that's it. That's right. It's, this name of the sermon is, name of the series is Hell Razors. R-A-Z-E-R. Raise, raise in that way. So, Raise means, what, what does it mean? Tell me what it means. Tell me what it means when I say being a hell raiser. What does it mean? Just turn around and sit this way, girl. Destruction to destroy. It does lift up. I mean, if you raise it, it lowers it. But Raise. That's not to really raise up. It's not like raise. Woo, woo, raise the roof. It's not like that. <laughs> raise. R-A-Z-E means. Taylor, do you know what it means? You know what it means. You've heard me say it like three weeks in a row. So. <laughs> or no, actually three weeks. You weren't here last week. So. <laughs> Bring destruction. That's Sharice said. Bring destruction. Raise means to bring lower to the ground. R-A-Z-E means that. Y'all put the chairs down, please. please. Please in front of you. That way it's not as noise making and being distracting. So. But three points we've talked about for us, Hellraisers, the past three things. What were they? What? No, it's not crossing the line. Crossing the line is a huge emphasis of what I want you to remember, but that's not one of my points. Yes. Who, who remembers the, the each night what they were? Yes. What? Be angry. Be angry was last week. Be aggressive. Be aggressive. Be alert. Be alert. This girl knows she's been listening every week. That's right. Can you have a piece of cake? Yeah. Not right now. So, you will in a few minutes. Don't get angry. <laughs> that was last week. You can't be that was sorry if we'd had cake last week. You could be angry. You can have cake in about 25 minutes or less. Y'all be like, 25 minutes? You can never preach that short. So... <laughs> You appreciate 25 minutes? We'll see. It's 7.24. I got plenty of time. I'm just kidding. And then he's like, no, you cut it now. So we're talking about being advantageous. Who knows what that word means? Big, long word. I have to say it kind of slow so I can even say it at all. Be advantageous. That's like a preaching word. Be advantageous. Yeah, God said be advantageous. Sorry. <laughs> be spitting. Be like spitting advantageous. <laughs> Who wants me to preach like that? No, I'm just kidding. Let me like annoying. So, Taylor, what does advantageous mean? Aggressive. What else? Kind of. Well, think of, think of first of the first five letters of the word. Advan Advancing. Advantageous. Did you say that? Calm down. Oh my gosh, you're the winner! You know what? You have won the right to be quiet the rest of the night. All right. <laughs> Just kidding. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I try not to be. <laughs> advancing. Advantageous means to be advancing uh, with aggressiveness, with alertness, maybe in a, an aspect of anger. It's, it's the, the purpose of, uh, of, of advancing the kingdom of God. So are you advancing the kingdom of God? We've talked about being aggressive. We've talked about being alert. We've talked about a righteous anger, even angry at the enemy. All these things we've talked about in aspects of taking the fight to the enemy, crossing the line, stepping beyond our boundaries, just waking up to the challenge, not being, not being threatened and, and backed down by the boy, but willing to, to walk across that line and do what it takes, willing to step up like Opie, Opie didn't say, I'll kick your butt, basically. So... Um, are you advancing the kingdom of God? Oswald Chambers said this. 
He was a guy that wrote some books. He was a great guy. If we give way to self-pity and indulge in the luxury of misery, we remove God's riches from our lives and hinder others from entering into his provision. No sin is worse than the sin of self-pity because it removes God from the throne of our lives, replacing him with our own self-interest. It causes us to open our mouths only to complain, and we simply become spiritual sponges, always absorbing, never giving, and never being satisfied. And there is nothing lovely or generous about your life. If we give way to self-pity and indulge in luxury and misery, we remove God's riches from our lives. We come like a sponge that's just soaking it in, but never is able to expose it out. Never really able to be, you know, sponge really doesn't, you know, it kind of just soaks in, and then you've got to really squeeze it to get everything that's in it out of it. Right? Sometimes we need God to come and just squeeze us because there's so much that we've sat for so long in, in services and youth ministry uh, uh, settings and, and conventions and camps and, 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 and going to the basement and going to, these, uh, going, to, going to the ramp and going to all these different events and going to all these conferences and going to these places and going to the mountains and going to this, this convention and going to that thing. And we're constantly finding ourselves going to places where we're soaking in, soaking in. We're in the midst of worship and we're just we're lapping it up. But are we just a bunch of sponges? Are we just constantly taking the things into our life and never giving out? Never giving it out. So we need to get to a place where God says, okay, you've got enough, and we need to actually take what's in us and allow it to be squeezed out where it's going onto other people, the things that have been poured into life, the things that you've been discipled with, the words that you've been taught, the, the, the lessons been given, the Sunday school lessons, all that you've, been, that, you've, that you've been raised in and understanding the things of scriptures constantly over and over. What are you doing with what God is giving you? What are you doing with the things He's pouring into your life? Are you, a, are you an asset or are you a liability to the kingdom of God? Are you an asset or are you a liability? Does God spend most of His time with you listening to your whining, your whimpering, your complaining? The thing is, if you're a hellraiser, you'll be advantageous. You'll be advancing the kingdom. You won't be somebody that's sitting back whining all the time. You won't be somebody that's complaining and always going, Woe is me, God. Where is my blessing? What about me? What are you going to do for me? God, this and that. It's constantly a whiner. Nobody likes a whiner. Nobody wants to hear whining. I mean, you think God enjoys this? Oh, God, can you help me? Oh, if you just do this one time, I'll never do it again. If you just help me, God, God, this, that's annoying, ain't it? I even annoy myself saying that. It's like, shut up, Eric. Don't ever say that again. Whiners, God doesn't want to sit there and listen to our whining, our complaining, our knowingness. It's not always about our little needs. It's not always about us. Those are going to be hellraisers will be advantageous. So are you a liability or are you an asset? Do you know what that means? <laughs> First of all, let me say, are you an asset? And you're thinking, you just cussed. No, I didn't. Are you an asset? What's an asset? No. Assistant. See, I need to make sure sometimes things I'm even saying that you got, are you an asset or liability? I don't know what he said. He said something about a donkey and a liability. I don't know what he said. No. What's a liability? What's the liability? Let me ask, let me ask, let me, hold on, let me ask Andre. 
Andre. I'm going to give you a definition of it. Something we talked about as far as the skate park. A liability. You guys are liabilities to that skate park. No, you're not. You guys as skaters are a liability to that skate park. Because every time you step onto that, or you, you skate and you go down into a bowl, you go across and you grind, or you go off a ramp, you're jumping, you're hopping, you're skipping, whatever you're doing, and you're kicking and flipping, and juking and jiving and whatever you're doing. Skipping. Yeah, I like to, you may even, I, you ought to try it. It's a new little thing with a board. It's called skipping. It's really cool. <laughs> it's a skip. It's a new move. If you invent it, it'd be called the Andre Skip. So, but you are a liability because constantly every time you guys come into that place, there's a chance that you're going to get hurt. There's a chance that you could get seriously injured. There's a chance you could, you could die. That makes you a liability. It makes you something they're constantly afraid that's, that's going to do something wrong. Something bad's going to happen. So you become a liability. If you're an asset, you're something that's, that's good. It's something that you want. It's something that, that you gain. When you hear somebody that, that has money and they gain assets, they're gaining things into their portfolio, their, 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 into their wealth, into their, to what they have. They're building up things in their life. You become an asset. You become something that's good. You become something that's purposeful. You become something that's, that you want to have in your life. So either you're an asset for the kingdom, something that's good, something that's useful, something that's purposeful, or God sees you as a liability because you go out there and you say, hey, I'm a Christian. I go to deviate on Wednesday nights. Uh, you know, once a month I go, I go over here to, to, the, to the basement or, or I'm driving up north and going to this place or I'm going here and I'm doing this. I'm going to these events. I'm going to different youth groups. I'm going to different churches. I love to be in the presence of God. Well, God can either see that as an asset or you may be a liability because you say you do all these different things, but yet there's no character change in who you are. You look like every, all of a sudden you say this, but you're the same as everybody else. You cuss. You party. You, you do things you shouldn't do. You have, a, you have a sorry attitude. But you claim to be this person, but yet this is who you really are. So in the, at that point, you become a liability because to everybody what you're showing is like, wait a minute, so I can be a Christian and then live like this? I mean, it's okay? I can sleep around? I, you mean I can, you know, it's okay to get busy once in a while and still be a Christian? Ain't nothing wrong? God's okay with that? So it's, it's okay to do that? I mean, so it's okay to go out and drink, right? It's cool. God's cool with it, right? Because... You know, I, Taylor, she's a Christian, but, you know, she parties like crazy. Every Friday night, she's down there with a fifth, and she's putting them back. She's down there, you know, drinking all these Seagram 7s. She's wine coolers, and she's putting them back. She's like, what is that? You know, she's back there smoking weed. She's rolling them up. You know, she's got, hey, you want a little joint? You want a tent? You've got the dime bag. Constant people, she's popping some pills. Taylor's horrible. We're going to play for Taylor a little bit later. So, y'all didn't know this about Taylor. She's up here singing, all this kind of stuff, but on the side, let me just tell you. Taylor's not like that. So if you're listening to this message, she's not like that at all. She's not at all. She would be what you call, what we was watching, um, uh, Good Luck Charlie, she would be the Gigi. <laughs> Gigi, a good girl. So, um, <laughs> so it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But you become a liability, and God sees you as a liability, and, it, and he's worried about it. He's, threatened. he's not threatened, but he's, he's going, I don't need you to be that type of person. Don't go over and tell everybody this is who you are, but yet you live like everybody else. You live just like the world, and there's no difference. God has called us to be separate from the world. We can't advance the kingdom. We can't advance the fight if we're saying we're this, but we don't even represent that, and yet we live like this. We can never come into a fight and be victorious because we don't actually have the weapons. You know, it's kind of like saying, 
It's kind of like this. Let me put it like this. I love MMA. I love to watch it. I've actually trained in it several, for several years. Trained guys in it. Now, I could never have done the training and have never choked somebody out, never put somebody in an arm bar, never put somebody in a leg triangle, never put somebody in an arm triangle, done all these different I know all the terms. But if I've never done it, if I've sit in all my life, I've watched it. And I portrayed. I know MMA, man. I'm good. I'm good at MMA. And then somebody says, really? Let's show me what you got. And I go over here and I say, well, this is who I am. But then I go over here and I have no understanding of how to do any of it whatsoever. Because this is who I portray to be this person. But I'm over here and I'm going to get my butt whipped. Because all I'm doing is being a fake. And yet when it comes down to putting, putting up, I don't have the skills. I don't have the know-how. I don't have the weapons. Luckily, I know a little bit, so I could help myself some. So. <laughs> but I'm saying that's kind of a way of looking at it. We as Christians so many times, not we, but so many times we have Christians, people that say they're Christians, and they're giving you guys a bad reputation. They're giving Christians a bad name. We have people in politics that say they're Christians, and they don't represent Christianity whatsoever. And not just talking about our president. There's many, many politicians, Democrat, Republicans, liberal, uh, it don't matter who they are. They're people that represent to say that there's one person, but they're not. It doesn't matter who they are. They're constantly portraying to be one thing and they're not. So are you a ha uh, an asset or a liability? Let me tell you, hellraisers are not selfish. Their, their own welfare wishes and wants are not nearly as important as saving and rescuing their family and friends. The thing is, if you insist on having your own way, you will get it. The thing is, hell is an enjoyment of your own way forever. And you insist on having your own way, you'll have it. You'll get it. But to understand that hell is an enjoyment of your own way forever, for eternity. That was Dante, if I can even say his name. Dante Alihir. Anyway, he's the author of the book, The Inferno. So if you don't know, if you know how to say his name, just let me know. Yeah, but that's not, yes, but it's not, what's his name? Do you know his last name? It's, yes, yeah, it's, it's Dante's Inferno, but it's actually the guy's last name is, I lie here, you don't share. Anyway, <laughs> but he said, if you insist on having your own way, you will get it. Hell is the enjoyment of your own way forever. I think that's something that's very, that you guys need to understand and listen to those, those quotes, how much they can speak and how powerful some of those quotes are. Thing is, hellraisers are not lazy. You will never be an asset or advance the kingdom of God if you're lazy. There's no room in the kingdom for lazy people. Laziness stems from selfishness. Disobedience. You can't be a hellraiser and be disobedient. Hellraisers never disobey a direct command of God. It is their prime directive to listen and carry out every decree of that commanding officer. It's, it's to the point of saying, I'll be obedient. It saves your life. The objective of, of an officer to, to be in command over a, a new recruit that comes in, their training and everything that they go through and, and go through the hard situations and go through those, those nine weeks of basic training, all that they go through, the, 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 hard, the climbing, the, the difficulties, all that they're learning, their weapons and everything, is to make them a better soldier but also to, also to save their life. Everything that the commanding officer there is to do is to save their life, is to train them how to survive. 
in the midst of a battle. Not how to destroy just an enemy, but it's how to survive in the midst of what they do. Everything is taught to them, everything that they go through is based on survival. It's how to survive the fight. It's how to survive the elements. How to be conditioned for the walks, for the terrain, for the climates, for every place where they're at. They're, they're in, a, in, a, in a place to be trained how to survive. And a commanding officer is there in the midst of a situation. He's there to give commands. And if there's a disobedience, it could cost them their very life. If a soldier's disobedient to his, his commander, it also could cost him to be kicked out of the army, but it could cost him his life. It could cost him to be uh, reprimanded or say, you know what, you're going to discharge from what you've been in. You're no longer going to be a part of this service because you can't find yourself to be obedient to what your commanding officer is telling you to do. And obedience is a key element in everything that we do. We can't be lazy. Uh, we have to be obedient. In 2 Timothy 2, 3 through 4, it says, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. Who is our commanding officer? God. God is our officer. He's the one that uh, gives us our prime directive. He's the one that gives us our orders. He's the one that we should be willing to get to the point to make him Lord of our life, to give everything of our life to. As a soldier, as somebody that's in the military, they, they have to basically come in and surrender who they are to the military. At that point, when they sign upon that dotted line and they pass the physical and they go through everything, guess what they're saying? When they say, I am signing up for the Marines, the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, National Guard, whatever it may be. When they say, this is, I sign it, guess what? They don't own who they are anymore. They have no rights. <laughs> they have some rights, but basically they've signed everything over to that military. At that, at that point, they become property of the government. At that moment, they become under the authority of them. And their objective is, as that person is, you want to please that officer. You want to please that commanding officer. You want to please that sergeant. You want to be, be willing to be obedient to them. And the same thing is with God. We want to be that place when we get to this, to this point in our lives and we come to an altar and we sign upon the dotted line, we give our hearts to God and we say, I want you to be not only my Savior, but I want you to be Lord of my life. See, so many times we want to just come down here and get saved and walk away and say, that's it. This is, not, this, is not where, this is not where life with Christ happens. It begins when you walk away and as you truly make him Lord of your life. Here is eternal, is, is, is eternal change in your life. Salvation is a place where you come and, and you turn from the sins in your life. But if you're going to truly understand how to live for God, you've got to say, God, not only I need you to, to save me, but I need you to be Lord of my life. I need you to teach me. I need to come to this place. When you come to the place of an altar, not only say, here's my heart, but God, here's my mind, here's my body, here's every aspect of who I am. I give myself completely over to you. I am no longer property of myself. I belong to you. I belong to you. I belong to you. Give everything over to God. It's a place that you've got to run to. You've got to be willing to want to, you want to uh, be willing to want to please God and be obedient to God. And God's not looking for hell raisers that are a bunch of babies. God's not in the babysitting business. If you're going to be a true hell raiser, you've got to grow up. You've got to grow up. I know there's some hard things that you don't want to hear. I'm, I'm 13 years old. I can't grow up yet. I'm still playing with Barbie dolls. And I'm still, I mean, I'm, you know, 
I know Parker will, you know, he'll put his Barbie dolls up and it's <laughs> like, what? He's not ashamed. He loves his Barbie dolls. <laughs> he only has the one left. He's got Barbie and Ken. Y'all chill out. So and Ken's a G.I. Joe doll. So I'm just not I'm just kidding. Hey, they're action figures. Calm down. G.I. Joe. Hey, if I had some G.I. Joes right now, I would love it. I would play with action. I'd be like, I'd be like, still play that. I'm, I'm a kid. I'm like Toys R Us kid. I'll never grow up. So, um, but spiritually, we got to come to a place where we have to grow up. We got to grow up. And I'm not so much you can't stop having fun and playing games and being goofy and being silly because every one of you are goofy and silly and, and uh, kind of messed up. So, but you got to get to a place spiritually. You got to get to a place in your life where God is saying it's time to grow up. It's time that you grow up inside. It's time that you stop living the same way you've always lived. It's time that you, that you give your life completely to me. I want to be Lord of your life. Stop being a child. Stop being a baby. I'm not here to babysit you. I'm here to nurture you. I'm here to, to, to give you meat. I'm, I'm not going to make you live on the bottle your whole life. So many of us love the milk. And then God says that, that's, that won't sustain you for all of life. You can't feed a child milk its whole life and expect it to survive. It won't happen. It's not getting the nutrients it needs. At some point, you've got to grow and begin to advance to different elements of what that child is going to eat. It's going to go to baby food. It's going to go to, it's going to, go to meats and it's going to vegetables and fruits and it's going to go to all these different things. It's going to go in. It's going to come out. It's going to be lovely. But so many times, God wants to nurture you and God wants to, ha to, to have you grow, not stay on the milk your whole life. But he wants to give you the, the meat and the bread of, of, of the Bible and the Scripture and he wants to pour into you. He wants to give you more and more and more that you're growing and becoming stronger spiritually. That you're growing in the things of God. He's not looking for children. He's looking for warriors. He's looking for men and women, spiritual men and women, that are going to live moral, morally right, make moral and right uh, choices, live ethically. They're going to have. They're going to make the right choice in everything that you do. Last thing we're going to talk about is you got to hell raisers need a vision for the ones in hell. You've got to have a vision. You've got to have a vision. Hellraisers are visionaries. They see beyond themselves and they see others and not just on the surface of things but deeper. As Hellraisers, you must see people and their potential like God does. You've got to see what's inside of them. You've got to see the potential that, that, that is there that God can use them through anything, through any situation, that God can touch their life and transform them to make them just amazing people for God. God can use any and everybody. We must understand we've got to see. So many times we, we prejudge people from what they've walked through and where they've come from. I think the, the number one thing I, I hate to hear, and, and every, every, every church has people like this. Every church has people like this. Our church has it. Every church I've been has it. And every church will continue to have it. There will be young people. There will be young adults that may have struggled with things in their life that have taken a path and have walked away from God. And they will come back, and they'll, they'll come to an altar, and they'll go down and they'll pray. And they'll ask for God for forgiveness to come back in and make him save your life, to be Lord. And there's people that will sit back there and say, it won't last. I know who that person is. They go out and they drink and they party. I've seen what they do. I know what they do. 
It won't last. And you're like, and I've heard people say that. You want, I want to punch them in the face. I really do. I want to punch them right in the mouth. I just want to hit them. If I wouldn't have to lose my job, I would just punch them right in the face. Just for stupidity and ignorance to, to look at somebody and not see the potential of what God can do in their life. It's just like I said earlier. You want to go on an AIM trip? You want to go on a missions trip? Don't sit there and speak something negative over yourself and saying God could never allow me to go. That's too much to raise. There's no way I could make that trip. The same way is don't look at somebody that's failed over and over and say, well, God couldn't save them. Because did God save you? Did God change your situation? What difference are you from them? What better are you than what they were? By the grace of God, it's not, it's not you. By the grace of God that God has touched your life, that you have given your life over him and made him Lord of your life. So who are we to sit back and look at people and say, they won't last? Why would you sow negativity in somebody's life? Why would you not come up and support them and put your arms around them? And say, hey, man, I've seen what you've been walking through, and I'm proud of you for coming out here and, and giving your life over to God and seeking God and wanting the things of God. Hey, can I walk alongside of you and help you? Can I be your friend? What do you need from me? You know, can we stay in touch together? Look at people in a different aspect. Look at what the potential that God can do in their life, not what, what man has, has judged them and deemed them to be, what society has said they're supposed to be. Hell raisers constantly have fresh views of hell. They see the pain, the hurt, the sorrow, the suffering that people will endure in hell and will stop at nothing to prevent friends, family, and loved ones from eternity here. I mean, from eternity there. We've got to have a vision of what hell is going to be like and literally grasp a hold of people and rescue them from the, from the midst of hell. To get a perspective of what hell is really like. You want to know what it's like? Just open here, begin to look. Just begin to look at the areas of what talks about hell is, where people were thrown out into the midst of total darkness, where there was gnashing and grinding of teeth. They were, they, the, the worm is eating their body, eating their flesh, and then the worm never dies. There's a constant agony, a constant suffering, a constant loneliness. There's constant probably, people can probably say over and over and think of every sadistic and, and, and thing that could happen to somebody in the midst of hell. Nowhere does it say Freddy Krueger is going to pop up and you're going to party with them and you're going to get to watch horror movies and there's not going to be drinking, there's not going to be partying going on in hell, there's not going to be orgies happening down in hell, there's not going to be all your friends hanging out and going out and putting the bud back, there's, no, this ain't going to be happening, you're going to be popping the top on a cold one, ain't going to happen. Hollywood love to say it, all these past actors love to say it in some of the quotes, hey, I'll see you in hell. No, you won't. You won't see nobody in hell. You'll be in complete aloneness being tortured for eternity. There is no day and night. It's just a constant place of aloneness. Probably a constant reminding of every time that somebody sat in the midst of a service like this and there was an altar call given. And those things will probably begin to play in your mind over and over as the youth pastor or the pastor or a Sunday school teacher, as they said, anybody... It's in this place today. Bowed heads and closed eyes and all this stuff that's been said. If you need Jesus in your life, will you just raise your hand? Will you come forward and accept Christ in your, to your life tonight or today or this morning? All those scenarios, I believe, will play over and over and over and torture your mind consistently. Why didn't I accept it? Why didn't I pray that prayer? Why didn't I live for Him? And then constantly there's the physical agony and the physical pain that's going to be happening in people's lives. All you've got to do is read right here what hell is going to be like 
And probably just imagine it ten times worse. Just imagine that ten times worse. Grasp a vision of where you don't want your family, your friends to be. Not even your worst enemy. That even means that we wouldn't even want it Osama bin Laden to be there. It's a hard, that's a hard statement to make, ain't it? Well, he deserved, he deserved to be in hell. Nobody deserves hell. What did God say? I come that what that who that just a few may be saved that every, just if you're just Americans, right? In in Israel, is is it who everybody, everyone, everyone? That means the Osama bin Laden. That means the terrorists, the people that are evil, the sadistic murders. I don't write the book. We don't understand it. But God is the God of forgiveness and grace and mercy to anyone who prays a prayer of repentance and asks God to come into their life. And it's hard for us in humanity to sit back because we would think, no. Not to say they won't face judgment of something on earth. But if there's a, a place in their life where they ask Christ to come in life and they truly repent and they truly turn from who they are and they receive him as their Lord of their life, they're going to be sitting there in the midst of heaven just as me and you. Or you and I, proper English. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. They have the same rights that you have because it's the same word and the same grace that God gives to everyone regardless of what they've done. Regardless. We have to grab a perspective of hell to know that we wouldn't want any person to be there regardless of who they are of what they've done. Hell is the highest reward that the devil can offer you for being a servant of his. A great evangelist, a great uh, preacher, uh, Billy Sunday, was his quote. Hell is the highest reward that the devil can offer you for being a servant as his. He, can't give you, he can give you all the fame and the fortune, and you think you can have all this stuff, and you can have all the girls, the guys, the, the, the accolades, all this stuff on earth. But the ultimate reward, that he's only, the only thing he wants to give you is hell. And that's not even a reward. That's his, that is his reward for you. And you think it's something that's great. All the stuff that you can accomplish. Billy Sunday was a hellraiser. He could see the torment of others and he knew what awaited them. And he spent his entire life rescuing the lost. Amazing man of God. And according to song by ACDC. Everybody knows the song. I'm on the highway to hell. The late 70s is a song, Hell Ain't a Bad Place to Be. Unfortunately, lead singer of ACDC went there way too soon. Bon Scott is now singing a different tune after he died and pulled his own vomit. Lead singer of ACDC years and years ago. They've been through a couple. <laughs> what a sad scenario of a, a man with talent, but yet was singing for for the world, singing for things, singing for, for, for somebody that, that, that gave him a, a talent with his life, a blessing in his life, but yet used it for other things. And singing a song, Hell Ain't a Bad Place to Be, but now I wonder if he's singing that same tune. I wonder if he's singing the same thing. And so many people have went on before and after. People that we've seen that lived a life, lived it hard, partied hard, done the things. We see people that are shot down at early ages. We see people that in all societies and all aspects of life that, that they're taken out from this world. And 
So many times we may think, well, they were, they were in Hollywood. They were popular. Surely God took them in heaven. No, it don't work that way. Heaven's not a popularity contest. You don't, there ain't no Emmys up in heaven. You don't get no Tony Awards. You don't get all these awards and think, man, I've, I've got a Grammy. I've got this and i got that. I get to go to heaven. I have, I've sold millions and millions of records. Well, they'll be playing your tune when you walk into hell because it won't be playing when heaven unless they've given their life to Christ. But so many people have walked and made those choices and decisions. We need to understand that we need to get a vision. A vision for hell. We need a vision for our friends. We've got to be advancing the kingdom and advance it by force. It says the violent take it by force. The violent take it by force and advance the kingdom of heaven. And we've got to be at the place in our life to become hell raisers and take the fight to the enemy. No longer backing down, crossing the line, doing whatever it takes, saying, I'm going to fight this fight. I'm going to have victory for my friends. I want to see these, my, my friends, my family, I want to see their lives changed. I want to see things happen in their life. Great and amazing things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight. Once again, we just praise you. Well, Lord, I pray that our students in this place, I pray that all of us are challenged tonight by your word. Every one of us are challenged, Father, to to do something greater than we've ever done before, to look beyond what we think is possible for our lives and know that, God, everything is possible through your Son, that you give us great purpose. And, God, that we won't look at ourselves as anything less, but, God, victorious. We won't look at ourselves as, as less than conquerors. We won't look at ourselves as anything less than warriors. Father, we know that we don't walk through these things by ourselves, but we know, God, that you that you are a shield, God, that you are everything before us and, and that you're, you're our rear guard. And, God, you're there to advance and you're there to lift us and strengthen us. Father, may they not look at people and, and see them as, as, as losers or see them as never having potential to be anything. But, God, may we look at people and see the scenarios and situations that they're living in and how they're living their lives. And, and God, that we would, we would be, uh, uh, something would trigger inside of us to be compassionate for them, that we would grasp a vision of hell to, to, for their life, that we would not want them to be there. We would see the potential that you have for them. God, we want to be used by you. And God, I, I pray that our students begin to not selfish and not lazy and not being disobedient, but God saying, God, how can I advance your kingdom? How can I be aggressive? How can I be alert? Oh, Lord God, how can I be angry at the enemy? How can I advance? What are you calling me to do? God, I pray that you give them just a, a, an awesome revelation, awesome visions and awesome dreams, Father. Just I ask you to touch our, this generation. Lord, no longer do they stand back, standing behind the line, but God, they're willing to step to the line, not only step to it, but run, God, towards the enemy and advance this kingdom for you. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you for your word. God, we want to please you. God is our commander, is our chief. God, we want to be uh, obedient to you. We want to make you Lord of our life. Father, I ask you to touch right now. I ask you to speak to hearts right now. If you're in this room tonight and you say, Pastor, I've walked in here and I need Jesus. You, you just a while ago, you talked about praying a prayer. You, all, you talked about being in a place of reminding that I need Jesus. That hell could be like a place where I'm reminded over and over of the opportunities that I've passed by. The opportunities that I take advantage of. The opportunities I know you were speaking to me and wanting me to give my life to you, but I, I, I denied those opportunities. But tonight, I'm not going to deny an opportunity to make you my Savior, to make you my Lord, to make you my King. 
And if you're in this place tonight and with nobody looking around and heads bowed and eyes closed, and you say, Patrick, tonight, I need Jesus to come into my life. I need Him to rescue me. I need Him to bring forgiveness. and I need Him to, to change my situations. I need Him to, to uh, change my heart. I, I just need Him to come into my life because I know right now the way I'm living, I don't know where I'll go. And I'm just not sure. And I feel pretty much that, that the way I'm living would, would take me to hell. And tonight, I don't want to be that person. I want to change. And I want God to come into life and be the change in my life. And I want Him to be Lord. If that's you, I just ask that you raise your hand that we may pray with you. Say, Pastor, tonight I need Jesus in my life. And tonight I want to ask that you would pray and ask him to come into my heart. Is there anybody that says, tonight I'm going to pray that prayer. Tonight I'm going to pray that prayer. That you just raise your hand. You say, tonight I want to pray that prayer. Yes. Amen. Anybody else? You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Nobody looking around. This is, if you need, anybody else need Jesus tonight? Anybody else? Thank you, Father. Thank you, guys. Everybody stand with me, right, please? Right, quick. If you raise your hand, I want you to, I want you to come and stand right here. We had one raise their hand. I want you to come stand right here. Andre, I want you to come pray with your sister tonight. How awesome is to know that she came tonight, and tell you, this is amazing, to know that you come into a place that God can touch you and God can radically change your life. Andre's been trying to get his sister to come for a while. I've been trying to get her to come for a while. Now, awesome know that she comes, and tonight God has touched her life, and tonight she's given her life to Christ. And we're going to pray with her, and we're going to ask God to come into her life and change her. And if anybody else, you say, well, no, I didn't raise my hand, but I know I should be there praying. I know I need to be up there praying that same prayer. And if that's you, I want you to come stand beside her right now. If that's you, I want you to come stand beside her. Right? Amy's like running back. I don't need him. Not me. <laughs> yeah, I'm just anybody else want to pray? Philip, you can have some music. Start playing, please. Anybody else? Anybody else want to pray? The Father, let's guys, let's just pray. Y'all pray together. I want every head bowed, and I want everybody praying out there too. Just praying right now with us, and just so thankful tonight that she's come down and asked Jesus to become Lord of her, Lord of her life, and to be her Savior. Father, tonight we just thank you, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that in just a few seconds she's going to pray a prayer, a prayer of repentance, God, a prayer of making you Lord of her life, and a, and a change in in her direction, God, that she's going, but that you're going to touch her, Father. And tonight we just thank you. And we just praise you, Father. We thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I want everybody just to pray this prayer with me as she prays as well. I want everybody to pray this, this prayer together. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Lord, I don't want to be a sinner any longer. I don't want to walk around with this guilt. I don't want to walk around this unforgiveness. I don't want to live this life any, anymore. But God, I want you to come into my life. I want you, first of all, you forgive me of my sins. I want you to cleanse me. I'm no longer going to be the same person. I'm no longer going to live the same way. But tonight I'm changed. I'm renewed. And Father, I want you to be my Lord. Not only my Savior, but Lord of my life. And Jesus, I know you died for me. And how awesome is that? That you gave your life for me. But you're not dead. You rose from the grave on the third day. And now you're in heaven at the right hand of the Father praying for me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Once again, we just pray and we thank you, God. If you prayed that prayer as well, along, 
with her tonight, I ask that you would just say, God, that I mean that prayer inside of me as well. And Father, I ask you to touch right now. And I ask for an anointing to pay upon her life, God. That you would just help her through everything that she may walk through, God. That you would touch Andre and you would touch their family, Lord Jesus. God, that they can partner together as a brother and sister, Lord. And God, I know there's going to be moments of tension. There's going to be moments of anger where they're going to fuss and they're going to fight. And there's going to be all that stuff. But God, beyond that, there's a greater thing that's happened in their life. There's a greater bond that's taking place that just being brother and sister. Now they're brother and sisters in Christ, God. You've changed her life. She said tonight, I need you. And I want you to be my uh, Savior of my life and Lord of my life. And God, that's something that they can sit down as, as a family and, and maybe discuss things and hold each other accountable and help each other and God, not get angry or defensive at one another when they're there to, to encourage you, to encourage each other to walk out the things of Christ. Father, I ask you to touch her. Watch over her protector, God. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.